Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, we're in Exodus 20, verse 16. I'm from Chattanooga, so I'm going to tell you the title of this sermon. Don't be telling lies. Don't be telling lies. That's the way they say it there. Well, this verse is very, very familiar to all of you. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, the preacher one Sunday uh, got up to preach a sermon. He said, uh, next week, uh, I want all of you by then to have read Mark 17, chapter 17, because I'm going to talk about it. So read that this week. So the next week. He uh, got up and he said, how many of you read Mark 17? And a bunch of people raised their hand. He said, you know, Mark just has 16 chapters. <laughs> he said, the title uh, of my sermon next week is, don't be telling lies. <laughs> this verse uh, talks about telling the truth. Uh, I I wonder, do we all tell all the truth all the time? How often do you lie? Uh, I'm sure that the vast, vast majority of people here this morning don't lie. They're not liars in any way. Maybe there's one or two here that every once in a while kind of squeak one in or another. Uh, do you lie once a week, once a month, once a year? Uh, you know, everybody's different. We know that. This verse talks about telling the truth. Uh, I hope uh, that you're not sociopathic. Folks that are sociopathic don't know whether they're telling the truth or a lie. They don't know the difference. They just uh, say whatever kind of comes out. Uh, whatever situation they're in. Uh, if you're a sociopath, you need, obviously, to get some help and uh, go and see a, a psychologist or somebody that can help you. Every deception and lie among men weakens the structure of our human society, and it sabotages the community of man. It's a bad thing. About 40 years ago, I had a friend that was a respiratory therapist in one of the large hospitals in Dallas. I could tell one day when I spoke to her that she was really, really upset. And it seemed like she was almost crying. And I said, well, what in the world is wrong with you? And we talked and she said, well, I can't tell. And I said, well, yes, you can't tell. I said, I want to pray for you and pray for the situation. And so she told me, she made me swear to secrecy, and uh, she said, uh, you know, this could really mess me up if you uh, tell anybody. And I said, well, I won't. Well, um, she finally told me what it was. She was a respiratory therapist, and one of her uh, folks that does the same thing that she did came in the night before high on drugs, very, very high on drugs. And that worker went in and adjusted the breathing apparatus for uh, all of his folks. 
and five of the patients died that night. The families were told that they just died. Well, that was a big lie. They didn't just die. They died because somebody had been on drugs. Her co-worker was fired, and the truth never really came out. It never came out. There were no lawsuits. Everybody just went on like, you know, well, that happens. People die. wonder how often that kind of things happens uh, in our world. I wonder the seriousness that some people uh, don't believe in really affects so many people in an adverse way. We are in a political country. Do you suppose all the candidates that are going to run for something, did you know that there's already a whole bunch of people that have said they're going to run? By the time it comes around, there's going to be 150 people running for the various uh, offices. This passage in Exodus has a primary concern of a witness in a court of law. You know, if you're a witness in an important case and you get up and tell something, that person can go to prison for 20 years or 40 years or however long it is. And in some cases, if you get up and tell something, uh, they can be executed. They can be gassed or electrocuted or whatever it is they do. Uh, your report, your testimony is very, very important. If you lie, another person's life rests on what you say. But this morning, I want to sort of broaden out the scope of this verse to all of our lives on a daily basis. Christians are supposed to tell The truth. The truth. Have you ever heard someone say, we should tell the truth in love? Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. Sometimes the stark truth can be harsh or even unkind. We all have been asked by a lady friend if we liked her dress or not, her new dress that she just got. And it's the ugliest thing that we've ever seen. (laughs) And we don't know what to say. What do you say when uh, that happens? Do you lie? Do you say it's just absolutely beautiful? Uh, I heard somebody say, that's what I do. Uh, Well, there you are. For years in the beginning of my ministry, uh, I would go to the hospital, of course, to see everybody that was sick. And sometimes I would find out through the nurse or the doctor that the patient was dying. And the patients uh, trusted me. I was their pastor. And they would say, how am I doing? And I would say, well, the main thing is, is we want you to do whatever the doctor tells you to do and exercise a little bit because we want you to get up and get out of here. Now, do you think that was a lie? Uh, you know, we, we need to be pretty specific about what we're saying and what we're uh, translating to folks when they're in that situation of, of life. Well, uh, 
the greatest friend of truth is time. Because over a period of time, we find out whether you were telling the truth. The more political the environment becomes, the harder it is uh, to sort out the truth. Sometimes it's hard to do that. Many times we think, well, you can't tell the whole truth. We sometimes leave things unsaid. If you don't say anything in the middle of a conversation where your testimony could make all the difference in the world, is it a lie for you to just stand there or sit there and not say anything? Sometimes we sort of shade the truth. Uh, we sort of nudge it in a way that probably is, is not a part of the core of what's really happened. Even in the world of the church, we become spin doctors. We put our version, our version of the story out in the marketplace. We think for a long time before we give an answer to a particular question. We phrase our words carefully. We learn what to say and what not to say as we try and speak very, very correctly, but also protect ourselves. When you began to work for whatever company you worked for or continue to work for, did you lose your objectivity uh, to truth? Did you realize that to work there, you had to kind of uh, soft shoe what uh, might be said about your company because you didn't want to get in trouble? Do we lose a part of ourselves when we begin to take a paycheck from somebody? Do we then uh, sort of fudge a little bit on the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help us God? Do we have enough integrity to be uncompromising as we speak? A number of years ago, I went to a board of directors meeting for a large bakery corporation. One of the speakers was a lady nutritionist. She had a Ph.D. degree, and she had page after page after page of uh, credentials. I about said it was a mile long, but it wasn't. Uh, maybe a half mile long. Uh, her task basically, uh, her talk basically, was to say that white bread is just as good for you as wheat bread or rye bread. That was the thrust of her presentation. Well, since I don't like, uh, rye bread or wheat toast. I like white bread. I was real happy to hear her talk. I thought, well, that's great. I love that. I'm glad to hear it. My friend that had invited me to that particular meeting was sitting beside me, and I leaned over to her, and I said, you know, I've never heard anything like that speech before, uh, but I was so glad to learn that it was true. My friend, without a change of expression at all, said, it's not true. Uh, we pay her to say that. <laughs> well, the board was all sitting there, and they didn't know that. So that was gigantic lie 
uh, to the uh, board of directors. Well, I believe as Christians, once again, we ought to tell the truth. Sometimes uh, the reaction is not uh, what we would hope to have, but uh, still, we ought to tell the truth. We need to tell people the truth as we understand it. Sometimes it's very, very hard to separate fact from opinion. Sometimes we believe something or we want to believe something so very, very much that it becomes the truth for us. Maybe it's not the truth. And somewhere in the back of our mind we realize that, but uh, uh, we really want it to be true. And so we act like it is. As our knowledge enlarges, the truth changes. At first, no one thought Ross Perot. Do you remember Ross Perot? He's the guy that would hold up the uh, cardboard thing and he'd write on it and he had messages and all that. Ran for president. Well, for a while, uh, before it really the campaign really got rolling, uh, nobody thought he was going to do well at all. Well, guess what? The uh, tide changed. And for a short period of time, he had... Uh, the highest percentage of people said they're going to vote for him. And then was the election, and he lost. And afterwards, uh, there were just 1% of the people that said, we believe that uh, in one of these elections, he's going to be president of the United States. Well, the facts change, don't they? The facts change in, in uh, almost everything. If you read a doctor book, medical doctor book, from a hundred years ago, about ninety percent of it is wrong. About ninety percent. So, uh, you know, they don't mean to lie, I guess, but uh, it's wrong. Uh, it's not the truth today. Things are clarified for us sometimes, and it changes our opinion. Sometimes the clarification doesn't. We become more focused as something that we really believe is called into question. So the truth becomes a changing entity. The more we learn, the more we can tell. But the goal stays the same for us. We need to tell the truth. In these days... It is sometimes very, very hard to tell the truth. Sometimes it is even dangerous. Some people are single-issue folks. They're just interested in one thing, and they believe in that one thing so much that if you rise to speak against what they are saying or what they believe, or if you just do it in the course of the conversation in your neighborhood, or in your Bible study class, or wherever it might be, those people can get really mad at you. They can begin to slander you, say ugly things about you. Uh, there have been cases, of course, where it got to where they could maim you for uh, saying your opposing view. 
Whenever I have talked the, taught the book of Revelation in a seminar setting, I always have people that uh, wanted to argue about it, wanted to really, really argue. And they'll argue with somebody else in the group and get pretty loud. And after a while, I'll have to kind of call a truce and sort of move on to something else. Uh, a lot of friendships have been lost. Uh, because we don't agree uh, about something in the Bible. You know, really, we ought to be bigger than that. We ought to try as best we can to go by the Word of God. And if we do that, then we don't have anything to be ashamed about and anything to get uh, uh, radically hostile to somebody about. We just can continue to believe what we think is the truth. Sometimes there's a thin line between our opinion and the truth. You know, I say periodically, if you have a verse or a section of scripture that you don't quite understand, go over to our church library and get out a common, one of the commentaries. We have four sets of commentaries over there. Get out uh, one of the commentaries, and maybe if you're real interested, get all four of them. And read about that particular section in God's Word, what that verse means or what that chapter means. And you can kind of check out what the great scholars down through the ages uh, believed. You know, when people ask me what a particular verse means, I always want to say to them, go to the library. Get a commentary. Because if you develop that habit of doing that, then it, of course, will tremendously help your growth in the Word of God. Uh, sometimes, uh, no matter what the commentary says, we say, well, I don't believe that. I believe what I've always believed. And I'm not going to change what I believe. Well, some young people would rather remain silent than to tell the truth for fear of the peer pressure that they get. So they just don't say much. Some folks know if they speak out on certain issues, they will lose their clout in the community or on the HOA or whatever it might be. And it might even cost them contracts or it might even cost them their job. So many in our day are just saying what everybody wants to hear. That's what they say. Or what the ones that they are with, their immediate uh, face-to-face buddies, what they all believe. You don't want to veer out of that uh, group too much. Maybe this is why the truth has become such a rare and precious commodity among us today. Truth is pitted against other goals. Telling the truth in some situations can be very complicated. After spanking his son, the father said, Son, you know it's a biblical truth that children should obey their parents. The son said between sobs, I know, Dad, but it also says as a biblical truth that we should be kind to one another. I believe one of the foundational problems 
in American marriage today is that a lot of people, frankly, just can't trust each other. They cannot trust each other. What do you do in a marriage relationship if you find out that the other person has been lying to you about a major issue in your life? Galatians 5 tells us that uh, we are not under the yoke of slavery, that we ought to be able to speak up, say what we believe, what we think. Uh, We shouldn't be under the yoke to keep us from saying anything. Some people are so intimidated by their mate, they just don't talk. They just stop talking. We are free to tell the truth no matter what the situation is. And if it's not that way, then you need to make some major changes in your life. We are free to ask the obvious questions that need to be asked and need to be answered. We need to question those lies that are the enemy of our soul. If we do not understand uh, what the truth is and we're not willing to stand for it, eventually the truth will stumble and fall. It takes us to be the bearer of the truth. Let us be one of those older men or older women one day who, if we live long enough, would be the one about whom others would say, you know, she has walked with the Lord all of her life. Or he has walked with the Lord all of his life. And people say that things about people. Wouldn't it be great if people would say that about us when we get uh, very elderly? That would be a great testimony. It would be a a great testimony for the Lord, you know, if people would say that about us. Maybe our prayer needs to be this. Lord, keep us from compromise and lies. You know, I, I hear in the government and I hear in businesses, it's all about compromise. It's all about compromise. You need to compromise. Well, I don't believe that. I believe there's a whole lot of things in life that we don't want to compromise. We want to tell what we think is the truth, and we want to stand behind it. We don't want to back up. You know, if everything is a compromise, then we don't have much of a backbone. We need to really stand up and be counted as somebody that's not afraid to speak from the word of God or to speak from our heart the truth that we truly believe. Well, if you have four people uh, on four different corners and there's an accident right in the middle of the intersection, and of course all four people see the accident, the policeman comes and he goes around and he asks all four of these people, uh, what happened? And, of course, they were all at a different place, and so their perspective was different from the other three. So they would tell what they thought. And then the other person would tell what they thought. It was totally different. And the other, and then the other. Well, uh, four different uh, perspectives of what happened uh, 
can all be the truth. Because that's what they saw. They, they're not trying to make up anything. They're just telling what they thought they saw. Don't be afraid to tell your story. Your story. Your truth. Don't be afraid to share that, to tell that. Because that's very, very important. Have you been truthful with yourself about your relationship to the Lord? Are you truthful there? You know, some people uh, appear to be very, very religious. And at home, they just cuss everybody out and beat their wife and do all sorts of things. Uh, you know, we want to be truthful about our relationship to the Lord. And, of course, we always want to make that relationship Better. Have you invited the good Lord into your heart? Have you done that? So many people, I ask that question, they say, well, you know, I've grown up around a whole bunch of Christians. And I want to say in the nicest way possible, well, that's not what I ask you. Uh, I ask you, have you invited the Lord Jesus into your heart? You know, if you haven't done that, then you really uh, should not be making a lot of religious claims because that's foundational. That's the basis of all that we do, all that we say, all that we read. Have we given our heart to the Lord? Have we asked him to forgive us of our sins? That's really uh, the bottom line. Everything is built on that. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Tell the truth. Don't tell the Lord one thing and live something else. Establish a real relationship for the one who sent his son to Calvary to die for you. Well, I want to close today with a sad story. I usually like to close with a happy story. This is a sad story. But it makes uh, makes a point. A guy in Dallas years ago, I was a minister at a church out there. Uh, he was moving into an apartment. And as he was taking things out of his pickup and putting them in the apartment, he noticed that there was a lady, young lady, that was uh, taking things out of her car and putting uh, in her apartment, which was real close to his apartment. And so the two began talking and they decided, well, some of these things are heavy. Uh, why don't we help each other? And so they thought, well, that's a great idea. So they both joined in and helped the other, and they unloaded all the pickup, all the car, and got everything in. They started talking, and uh, the lady uh, said that she was a nurse and said uh, where she uh, worked. And the man said that he was... Uh, he was a engineer with Exxon. He wanted to make it real emphatic. He was an engineer with Exxon. He wasn't an engineer with Exxon. But this girl was real cute, and he wanted to make a good first impression. And so that's what he told her. 
Well, they had a good time on their date, and so he asked her out for the next night. They went out. And then they started going out every night. And three weeks later, they moved in together. And uh, they started coming to our church. I got to know them. And uh, I, I really liked both of them. I thought they were real nice. They had good personalities. They were friendly people. I liked them. Well, this man would get up every morning, put on a suit, and go out the door acting like he was going to Exxon. He wasn't going to Exxon. He didn't have a job at Exxon. Well, finally he started running low on money, and so he had to get a job. So he looked around, looked around for a job, and he finally got a job at 7-Eleven. And uh, he went to work there. So he still, you know, got up every morning, put on his suit, and drove to the 7-Eleven. Well, one day she was out driving around, and she was out of her neighborhood, but she saw a 7-Eleven. She thought, I need something. So she pulled in there, and there he was working at the 7-Eleven. She just sat in the car for a while. I heard all this later. She just sat in the car and looked at him for about 10 minutes. And then she drove off. And he started crying. And he thought about what he was going to do. And he cried a little and thought a little, cried a little, thought a little. And then he decided he was going to call her. So he called her. And he said, I want you to know that I really love you. And I hope that we can have a future together. I I really don't believe that one lie should ruin my life and your life. Well, it was over. It was over. She came and we talked and she said, I, I just can't live with a liar. That's all there is to it. I just cannot live with a liar. It was over. Let me uh, ask you uh, this question. Have you ever thought that if we're just kind of pretending to be in Christ that we are a liar before God? And God doesn't want to live with any liars. He wants you to kind of get on the line, so to speak, and be all that you profess to be. Today in this service, if there's anybody in the house that has never trusted in Christ as your Lord and your Savior, this would be a great day to do it. A great day. If there are some here that need a church home, Maybe you've been visiting with us for a good while. Maybe this is your first Sunday here. If the Lord is uh, speaking to your heart, you know that you need a church home, a place where you can relate to other believers and you can grow in your faith, study the Word. I hope that you would make a decision to come and join with us. The doors of our church are open, and they're open for you. I'm going to stand down here at the front. We're going to sing a song. If the Lord leads, you just slip out and come and take a stand for Jesus. Let's stand as we sing.